The average lifespan in America the, the, the past few years. Anybody have any idea what the average lifespan is in America? 78 years. If you're average. So high school seniors, those who just finished high school, 18 years of age. If you're average, they've just completed, just about completed the first quarter. Well, some of you are in life's first quarter. I see, you know, some with between 1 and 20 would be, would be the first quarter. Some, some are here between uh, the ages of 20 and 40. You're in the second quarter of life. We relate to sports, right? So we've got, you know, a lot of the soccer, basketball, football, you know, we have four quarters, right? So second, between 20 and 40, you are in the, you're in the second quarter of life. Some of you between 40 and 60. I know, I know a number of you are between 40 and 60 because I, I, heard, I heard Brian, you know, talking about, the, you know, if you're over 50 or the 50, 50 age range, you know, you guys are going to have some fun playing, playing Uno. And, and uh, what was the game you're going to be playing here soon? Password. password. See, see, those of uh, my kids probably have no clue what the word, what, what password is. They're, they're, they're still in the first quarter. <laughs> but you guys in the third quarter... You guys have too much fun. But for the 40 and 60, right? Now, the fourth quarter, between 60 and 80. Anybody here in the fourth quarter, between 60 and 80? Oh, man. Great. You guys are awesome. Now, anybody here over the age of 80? You guys are in sudden death overtime. (laughs) Now, you know, no matter what stage of life you're in, Right, whether you're in the first quarter or whether you're in the second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, or whether you're in sudden death overtime, there should be an urgency to life, shouldn't there? You know, an hourglass. You know, it's got the sand. You know, we, we would play uh, Pictionary. Anybody ever played Pictionary? And you have, what, like three minutes to, or whatever the time, one minute, three minutes, whatever, you, you got to draw the picture or whatever. So an hourglass, and you got the sand coming. And the beautiful thing about the hourglass is you get to flip it back over and start again. But life isn't like that, is it? We don't get a, we don't get a redo. We don't get a do-over. We get one life. And the time is ticking, and the time is ticking and the time is ticking. There is a point in your life, in my life, when all your time is gone. All the sand has, has got to the bottom. Time's run out. You get one life. You've got to choose what we're going to do with that, one, with that one life, that one time clock that we get. No matter your first qu- You know what? Some people, some people 
pass away in the first quarter of life, don't they? We, we, I, I know people who, who passed away at a very young age. We don't, get to, we don't get to choose which stage of life God is going to call us home. So, which means every stage of life ought to be urgent. This morning I want to speak about, no matter what stage of life we're in, how do I make a difference? How can you make a difference? We're in the book of Colossians chapter 1. If you're able to stand, please stand with me in respect to the God's word as we, as we read. We're going to look at verses 24 through 29. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Let's pray. God Almighty, we proclaim your name this morning. We lift your name on high. May you be honored and glorified through the teaching and preaching of your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Through this text, we're going to find four points of how you can make a difference. How I can make a difference, how, how we can make a difference, rather than just going on in life and just, doing, just going through life and not doing anything, but... Do you want to make a difference in some... Do you want to make a difference in, in, in our culture, in our time today? I hope you do. I would like to make a difference. I, would, I, I can't change the whole... I can't change you. You can't change me. But I can somehow make a difference with those people that I have an influence with in my daily life. Same with... And, and, and you can as well. First of all, we're going to see that to make a difference... I'm, I'm, I'm going to start with some not-so-good news before we get to the good news. All right, so I, I apologize. No, I don't really apologize because it comes from Scripture. But in order to make a difference, we have to understand and anticipate difficulties for your faith. In other words, have a willingness to embrace the pain. Anybody here enjoy pain? Oh, come on. Somebody here likes pain, I'm sure. Well, I know, Brian, you riding a bike, you have to enjoy pain at some point. You have to embrace the pain. I mean, when we're uh, just chatting with him for a few minutes, I, I've been getting back on my bike and climbing up the, the mountains on the bike. I mean, you've got to embrace that pain because it's real. Your legs just start screaming at you. You've got to tell them to shut up. Your lungs start burning, you got to say, knock it off. Your brain says, I don't want to go anymore. you got to embrace the pain. 
So the question is, are you willing to pay, am I willing to pay the price? You know, the gospel is filled with suffering because Christ suffered. 2 Corinthians 11. Paul talks about a little bit of suffering that he had to endure. Are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. And toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, and hunger and thirst, often without food, and cold and exposure. And apart from these things, there's the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Sounds encouraging, doesn't it? I mean, Darren, thanks so much for coming this morning. You guys shared some great news with me that I'm going to have to deal with some pain and some suffering. But you know, the reality is that Christ suffered, and therefore, if we're one of his followers and we want to make a difference, we at some point will suffer. It's just a reality, and we have to learn how to embrace that pain. We have to have this mindset that suffering follows those who follow Christ. Paul says he's happy to suffer for their sake. He says here in verse 24, Now I rejoice in my suffering for your sake. Now I don't know what you're dealing with, each and every one of you are dealing with this morning. But I know over the past three years, we've dealt with some suffering, haven't we? Many. We've lost friends, we've lost family members, we've, we've dealt with cancer, we've got a, a very, very, very dear and precious friend and supporter right now that is dealing with pancreatic, not pancreatic, yeah, pancreatic cancer as well as liver cancer, and, he, and his time is very short. He's in a lot of pain, suffering. And as a Christ follower, he's still trying to stay the course. And when Paul's writing this letter to the church in Colossae, he's in prison. And he's in prison. Why? Why was Paul put in prison? Because he wasn't willing to be silent. He he wasn't willing to, 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 to not proclaim Christ and the gospel. To live for Christ is not easy, particularly in our day. In 2022, in the U.S., it's not easy, is it? I mean, I I don't live in the U.S. I live in South Africa, and I see a little bit what's going on here. And quite frankly, I like to turn off the news. (laughs) I don't don't like to follow much of the news of America these days. I really don't. I don't like to follow the politics. I don't like to follow the news because it's discouraging. It's discouraging for Christians, isn't it? Yes. 
To live for Christ is not easy. And he never promised it was going to be easy. Because the reality is suffering followers those who follow Christ. There are obstacles in living for Christ at every stage of life. I mean, my, my son went to a, a public school in South Africa, and as far as we know, he was the only believer in his whole class of 200 plus. That's in the first quarter of life. Second quarter of life, you know, 20 to 40, going away to university, getting, trying to get established in a new job, and you're, you're uncomfortable in, the, in this new environment, in that, in, in that stage of life. You're trying to uh, 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 figure out exactly who you are in that sta- stage. 40 to 60, you kind of know who you are. And you're a little more confident in that. But it's still not easy to be a follower of Christ at that, at that age. Now 60 to 80... You're realizing the, the urgency of life. But some of the struggles of taking a stand for Christ at this age is, is what? Sometimes you don't always, always remember what you thought you once knew. We can't read it that well. Our eyes are going... I mean, are you with me? There's struggles at all of these various stages. We can't say that one's harder than another. But we have to learn how to embrace that difficulty. So don't be surprised when you're dealing with suffering. Paul tells to Timothy in in, in 2 Timothy 3, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and imposters will go, from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Yes, there is tremendous comfort in following Christ, but hardships have always, always been with the people of God. I mean, this go back to the very beginning. The children of Israel, right? They always had it super easy as God's chosen people, right? Which Bible are you reading? No, man, they, they went from struggle to struggle to struggle to struggle. And the same thing in the New Testament. I mean, the disciples, when they chose to follow Christ, and after Christ passed away, I mean, it was smooth sailing for them. Everybody that they, that they preached to was like, yes, I believe. No. So if God's chosen people, the Israelites... The the New Testament, the early church and the disciples that spent time with Jesus and Paul and and the apostles, man, if they dealt with suffering, we're going to deal with it too. We're going to deal with struggles as a follower of Christ. And I'm, I'm sorry to start out with the bad news, but the reality is that we have to learn how to embrace that. During COVID... Well, we still have COVID, but during the early days and trying to figure out, God was giving us a, a new vision and a new opportunity to, re, to branch out, to reach the people of Durban in, in new ways, providing some food parcels and, and soup kitchen ministries. And it was uncomfortable. And we weren't always well accepted in, in all of the communities. We weren't always well accepted everywhere we went. We, we, dealt, we, we, we continued to deal with opposition. 
But suffering has always followed the people of God. Secondly, to make a difference, you must have a willingness to embrace the servant mentality of ministry. Look at verse 25 here in Colossians chapter 1. Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. Now the word stewardship here, I'm sorry, the word minister here, do we know what that word comes from? It's diakonos. And we don't like to use this word. We don't like to talk about this word. It's servant. A servant of all. People who want to minister, people who want to make a difference, need to learn how to become a servant of all, believers and unbelievers alike. What did Jesus do? He knelt down and he washed the disciples' feet. The night he was betrayed, whose feet did he wash? He washed Judas's feet. He knew Judas was going to betray him. He knew that Judas was going to sell him out. He knew that Judas was not one of his true followers. And what did Jesus do still? He washed his feet. He served the betrayer. But Darren, you don't know what this person did to me. You're right, I don't. But I know what I've done to Jesus. Do you know what you've done to Jesus? Have you always followed him willingly? Have you, have you always boldly proclaimed his name? Have you always done exactly what he's wanted of you? I wish we could say yes. I wish I could say yes. The reality is that we have not, and yet he was willing to bow down and wash Judas's feet. We have to be willing to serve believers and unbelievers alike. The gospel is free. You don't have to pay anything to get the gospel, but his ministry is costly. Ministry for Christ is a, is a calling. Again here, Paul uses the word stewardship. According to the stewardship from God. Looking into that word, it, it, it's talking about the calling to obey, the calling to, that God has given. God has called all of us for His glory and His service. But you have the choice to obey or to disobey to follow after it or run from it. Now, we don't like to think of this word serve because we like to be served, right? We don't like to be the one to have to do it for all these other people. But to be a true follower of Christ, to be able to make a difference in today... In 2022, we have to learn how to serve. And the Apostle Paul, 
I mean, the guy we see in, in Philippians chapter 3, I mean, is there anybody as well-schooled and trained and knowledgeable and gifted as Paul? I mean, the guy was a genius. Let's, let's go to Philippians chapter 3. Verse 4 through 11. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh, also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, the Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Do you hear Paul boasting about his accomplishments? No, he says, if anyone could be able to boast, if anybody should be able to be proud of of their name, of, of, of their titles, it should be Paul. But Paul does not embrace his title. He embraced the calling. He embraced the serving. You see that in those verses that we just read? Verse 25, again he says, Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship, according to the calling from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. Do you know that God has given you a calling to make his name in the word of God fully known? He's given you a calling. He's given me a calling to do that. And in order to be willing to do that, we have to have that willingness to be a servant. I must use all that I have been blessed with in order to bless others if I am to be a true follower of Christ. Are you blessed? Are you blessed? I promise you. If I could take you to the house of this one lady that that you saw standing there in this video. A picture, she was standing there and and she had a corrugated tin house. By the way, it's a beautiful place. I mean, I just smile from ear to ear when I see that. When I first met her, that house didn't look like that. It was ready to fall down. When I first met her, the day that we, God, God had directed us to her house, we never knew her. Somehow we found out that her family may be in need. Okay? When God calls you to do something, we have the choice to obey or disobey, Right? And so God had given us this, this desire to help make a difference in, in Durban through, through and, and, and trying to reach others for Christ. But, and, and part of the way of doing that was providing some food parcels 
No, we didn't know exactly what we were doing. We weren't gifted or, or talented in doing that, but we went to the store, and we shopped, and we bought some food, and we went to deliver. And, and we went to this lady's house, and we walked in, and she just started weeping. I wish I could take you to that house today. We walked in that house. She did not have one grain of rice. She had nothing. And when I say nothing, I mean not any food at all. She said that morning she had actually prayed. Now, she wasn't a believer, but she called out to God, God, if you're real, help me. Somehow provide some food for me and my family. Because right now I have nothing. We're just going to sit here and we're going to die. And I don't say that to make you feel bad. I, I, I say that to help you to understand you are blessed. We are blessed. You all have food in your house. You may not have the food you want in your house, but you all have some food in your house, right? Probably more than you need. Probably more than I need. But this lady, she cried out to God. And that day, we went and we delivered the food. And she just started weeping. She's like, how did you know? How did you know I needed food? How did... we're, we're like, you know what? We didn't. God just directed us to you. She, as soon thereafter, put her faith and trust in Christ. Back in March, she was baptized. She's now <laughs> so faithful to the church. She, she actually, uh, uh, when, when church reopened, because we, we, church was not allowed to be open for a while uh, due, to, due, due to COVID regulations at Durban, and she kept begging us, as soon as church opens, I need to come and I want to I, I, I tell the whole world what God has done for me. I must use all that I have been blessed with. You must use all that you have been blessed with in order to bless others if you're to be a true follower of Christ. You know, being willing to give some food, being willing to go that extra mile, being willing to serve in a way that God has called you to serve. So I want to ask you a question. Who... Are you serving? Whom are you serving today? If you want to be great in the kingdom, you have to learn how to serve. Thirdly, to make a difference, you must share Christ every chance you get. In other words, have a willingness to embrace Christ as the big picture. Verse 28, Colossians 1. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. I want to challenge you to be a life changer. I want to challenge you to be a difference maker. The gospel is too valuable to keep to yourself. 
right? The gospel is too valuable to keep to yourself. This is Paul's mission statement that, verse 28, I believe this is his mission statement, and it ought to be my, my personal mission statement, and it ought to be your personal mission statement. And he starts with, Him we proclaim. Proclaim Christ first. Willingness to embrace Christ as the big picture, the only picture. Embrace Him. Proclaim Him first. Now, I understand in 2022, with everything that is going on in our culture, it's difficult. That's why I started with understanding that being a true follower of Christ, we're going to have to learn how to embrace the pain and the persecution and the struggle. But you know what? To be a true follower of Christ, we have to proclaim Him. We, don't gotta, we ought not keep Him to ourselves. It's too valuable. Proclaim Christ. Admonish or warn everyone, teach everyone, present everyone mature in Christ. You need to grow up and not just show up. How many of us come to Sunday morning church, sit here in the worship service, stay for Sunday school, and we're just filling these pews to just sit here and look pretty? Some of you look pretty good. I won't say which ones. No, just messing with you. But we need to grow up and not just show up. Too many people just show up to fill the seat. Yep, I did. I ticked my box. And, I, and, I, and I'll tell you that we deal with that a lot in, in Durban, South Africa. They come to church. They did their thing. They go home. And you see them that night or that afternoon or the next day, and, and you're like, what? who are you? Well, I did my thing at church yesterday. Now I can just live my life the rest of this week, and then I'll see you at church next Sunday. Completely missing the point of what a true follower of Christ ought to be. We, him we proclaim. And, and we warn everyone, we, we, we admonish everyone, we teach everyone so that we, can, we, that we can present others mature in Christ. Well, guess what? That's just, that just doesn't happen in one day. I mean, I see a lot of gray hairs. By the way, I, I love gray hairs. Not my own, but I love your gray hairs. I do have some gray hairs on my chin. I'm trying to hide them. Not really. But your gray hairs, I love it. You didn't get those gray hairs overnight, did you? Come on, be honest. No, I love. <laughs> I said no, and I love my gray hairs. You bet. They come with they come with experience. Maturity takes a period of time. I know all of our youth tend to think that they've, that they've arrived, right? Teenagers, guess what? You ain't all that. <laughs> and I love youth. I, I spend a lot of time and energy with youth. I absolutely love them. And I love, I love you guys. And, and I love your energy. But you aren't mature yet. See the gray hairs? They're working on maturity. Maturity. 
They haven't arrived at full maturity yet. They're still learning. They're still growing. But Him we proclaim so that we can teach and we can, we can admonish so that when at the end of our life, at the end of our ministry, we can present people mature in Christ. That's what this whole thing's about. It's too valuable to keep to yourself. Yes, it's difficult. Yes, it's hard. And, and I understand that, 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 that going out in our community today, you can't just start shouting the name of Christ to everybody, can you? No, but the way you live your life, you can, you can help make a difference in other people's life so that they can see something different in you. And you're like, oh, wow, what is going on with you? You know what? I see something different in you, so I want to find out what's going on. And they may come ask you a question. Well, then that gives you the, the opportunity to proclaim Christ, doesn't it? Hello? And we can warn them. We can teach them. That's what Paul's talking about. In 1988, anybody here golf? I know know Pastor Todd likes to to golf. So if he was here this morning, he would appreciate this, 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 uh, this illustration. I don't golf, by the way, but I, I do enjoy watching golf from time to time. But a professional golfer named Curtis Strange hit a hole-in-one on hole number 12 at the Masters. All right, the Masters, you, you, you know that, that uh, Augusta National Golf Course? That's beautiful. In the 12th hole, that par 3, he walked. He hit a hole-in-one. I mean, Incredible. I mean, you'd think the guy would celebrate and be like, yes, amazing. So he, he walked up and he picked up the, whole, he picked up the ball out of the, out of the cup and he turned and he just chucked it into Ray's Creek. It's a beautiful creek that runs through there. And the media, they had a frenzy. They're like, what in the world? Why did you just do that? Why did you throw your ball into the creek? And he's like, well, what did you want me to do with it? And he said, (laughs) they said to him, well, you know, you could have given it to your grandchildren. To which he replied, I hope I leave my grandchildren something more than a golf ball. Dwell on that for a second. I don't know that he's a believer. But he understood that life is not about leaving your grandchildren a golf ball. We ought to be giving them something more than that. We, Paul says, him we proclaim. Jesus Christ is the big picture. And we can't ever get away from him being the big picture. Leave your children, your your grandchildren, those you you have proclaimed Christ to, leave them with something more than a golf ball. Didn't somebody tell you about Jesus? Maybe you're hearing about Jesus this morning for the first time. I doubt it. But somebody told you about Jesus. Right? Right? Didn't somebody bring the gospel to you? It's too valuable to keep to yourself. Fourthly, 
To make a difference, you must have a willingness to embrace Christ as your only source of strength. Verse 29, For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Can you achieve this in your own strength? God has called us. He's not just called me. He's not just called Pastor Todd. He's not just called Pastor Dustin. He's called us. And in his calling, Paul says, for this I toil. I mean, he's working. Toil is talking about something. I mean, it's hard. It's out there digging trenches. It's out there digging ditches. And it's out there sweating. And, and, and he's working. He's laboring hard. But he says, struggling with all his energy. God supplies supernatural power for living the Christian life. My, my colleague said this about this passage one time. says, God is my Red Bull. He's given me wings. Anybody drink energy drinks? It's okay to be honest in church. (laughs) By the way, I I hate energy drinks. I think they're horrible. I've had like three in my life and they're just nasty. I don't like the way they make me feel. But a lot of people drink energy drinks. Red Bull, I mean... Goodness me. I, I, I tasted Red Bull. Ugh, that stuff tastes horrible. I tasted it once. We were, we were at a, uh, a nature reserve hiking with the young adults one time in, in Durban, and this Red Bull car pulls up, and, and they're like, here, we got free samples of Red Bull. And I had never tasted it before, and I really didn't know what it was. This was, this was a number of years ago, and I'm like, okay, cool, I'll try it. Ugh, stuff tasted nasty. But it gives you wings, they say. God ought to be our Red Bull. He's the one who gives us wings. Maybe you drink Monster. Maybe you drink Dragon. I don't know. What are the other energy drinks? Play? Bang? they got some funny names, don't they? I am useless. You are useless unless unless you're connected to the true source of power. He's your only source. He's my only source of strength. So I want to ask you as we close, what are you going to do with your life? Whatever stage of life you're in, what are you doing with it? Are you making a difference? Are you reaching... Are you embracing the pain? Are you embracing Christ as as the only source of power? Are Are you embracing the servant mentality? I close with this illustration. Albert Einstein, the well known physicist, got onto a train going from Princeton, New Jersey to Boston. Soon after he got on the train, he began to search for his ticket. When the conductor arrived at Einstein's seat, the conductor said, Mr. Einstein, I and everyone else on the train 
Know who you are, and I know you have a ticket. Rest assured that you have a seat on the train. Einstein was relieved for a moment, but he continued to look all over the place for his ticket. The conductor went and got everybody else's ticket. He came back to Einstein and he tapped Einstein on the shoulder and he said, Dear sir, I have total faith and confidence that you have a ticket. Please take your seat and be, you can be sure that you can ride this train. We're not going to kick you off. To which Einstein replied, Thank you, kind sir, but I need to locate my ticket so I can find where I'm going. Do you know where you're going in life? Do you know where you're going? I pray that God would use Colossians 1 in these verses from Paul's ministry to the church to help us make a difference today as you go out. You go out those doors. You get in your car and you go wherever you're going. I pray that he will make a difference in your life so that you can make a difference in other people's lives. Let's pray.